Hello and Happy New Year. Thank you for downloading the podcast edition of the Community Baptist Church Service in Henderson, Kentucky. For Sunday morning, January the 6th, 2008, our pastor, Dr. Tim Hobbs, will be starting a new sermon series entitled Life on the Next Level. His scripture reference this morning will be taken from John, the 10th chapter, the 10th verse. Our choir will be singing Climbing Up a Mountain, an arrangement by William Henry Smith, and our pianist will be playing an offertory medley of To God Be the Glory with blessing, honor, and glory. We now unite with the service in progress. great shepherd of the earth, we come to you to say to you, we do love you. We come to you this morning in this place of worship to express that love for you. And even though sometimes we resist you, Lord, we pray that you would come to us with your support and with your reckless love. Come to us, O God, revealing your Son, our Savior and friend, Jesus Christ. And come to us in the power and in the presence of your Holy Spirit. Allow us this day to experience once again the abundance of life that you have to offer us. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Now is the time to worship God. Now is the time to give your heart. God, just as you are to worship God, just as you are. 
boys and girls, it's your time if you're going to be right over in this area. And we do have quite a few missing today and uh, who are sick and other things. So many of you that can come on down today, that would be great. If you need somebody to help you, if you've never been here before and this is a scary thing to do for you, then it would be great to have somebody help you. Ooh, that light's bright. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you. You guys, it's bad enough getting up here, but at least you can talk with Okay. I cheated. I went on the, um, we get our email from Community Baptist Church, and I wrote some of this down from Dr. Tim's message today. So I cheated. Dr. Tim's going to talk about life on the next level. Hmm. And it said on that email, It said, living in a higher quality life requires a higher cost. Say yes to integrity and no to insincerity. Ooh, those are some pretty big words. I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but does anybody know what insincerity means? Insincerity. Really means you could care less. You don't really care what happens. What about, what about integrity? Pardon? Integrity? It's kind of your code of values. You're sincere about things. And then it said, say yes to involvement and no, no to isolation. What's isolation? That's another big word. Dr. Tim, come on. What, what are you doing with these big words? Isolation. I heard it. You want to be by yourself. You really want to be isolated from others. What about involvement? Pick me. Pick me. What? Involvement. (laughs) Involvement. Yeah, you want to be involved in things. And the last one said, say yes to impact and no to irrelevance. If you want to be relevant about something, what's that mean? This was a hard one for me, too. Revelance means it matters, and irrevelance means, again, you don't really care. Uh, but if you want to make an impact on something, you want people to, um, you want to do something that matters. Does that make sense? No. You want to stand up? <laughs> Sit in? Okay. All right. Well, now let me get my little trusty book out here. Maybe this will help. This says... Getting and giving. Guys, I'm struggling here. Plenty for everyone. This is a chapter from the book of Corinthians. Okay? And it says, God can give you all you need and more. Then there will be plenty left over to give joyfully to others. Okay? And it goes on to say, when you take your offering money to church... Are you happy to do it? Or do you wish you could just keep the money? Maybe you want to buy something for yourself. The Bible says that when you're happy to give what you can, God will give you all you need for yourself too. Does that make sense? The more you give of yourself, the more you get back. He will even give you more than you need, and then you'll be able to keep on giving to others. Now, what we're going to do this morning, we're going to say a little prayer, and then I'm going to give you two packs of Lifesavers. 
the first pack is for yourself. But the second pack, you have to go back and give it to somebody that has helped you in your life. They've been your lifesaver. And it can't be your mom and dad or your grandma or grandpa. You have to pick somebody else. And your parents can help you, too, if you're too small. Okay? So bow your head with me. Dear God, thank you for helping me have everything I need when I help others have what they need. Amen. So you guys come up and get two packs of lifesavers. One is for yourself and think about who you want to give the other one to. Somebody that's helped you in your life. Let's see where Maggie's going. One for you and one for somebody that's helped you in your life. But it can't be your mom and dad or your grandma or your grandpa. And no, you can't trade with your brother or sister. No, 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 no. Too easy. Have a good 2008.
Father, we thank you first of all for Jesus, for giving him to save us from our sins. We thank you for all the other blessings which you've given us, which we often take for granted. Father, this week we pray for those in our congregation who've been bereaved. We pray that you will be with them and give them strength. We thank you for all your blessings, particularly the monetary blessings which you've given us. We pray that today we will give back to you the share that you've asked us to give, to spread your word here at home and abroad. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Children, oh Lord, I didn't come 
You know, that was just fun, wasn't it? I don't know if you had as... Did y'all have fun singing that? Yeah. I hope you had fun singing that because I had fun listening to it. That was just fun. Uh, Happy New Year's to everyone. I am uh, beginning a new series of messages today called Life on the Next Level. And I'm preaching this series because there's a kind of life that I believe God wants us to live in 2008 that many of us probably did not live in 2007. And it's a high-quality life. It's a top-of-the-line kind of life that only Jesus can offer to us. In fact, I want us to look at how Jesus describes this life that he wants us to live. The verse of Scripture that's the basis for this sermon, and really it's kind of the basis for the whole series, is John 10.10. And this is Jesus explaining the kind of life that he wants you and me to experience. So let's let's read this verse. Timmy, you got that? He's got it up there. He's got the verse up there. Let's read this verse out loud together. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see what Jesus is saying here? God wants us 
to have a better life than we ever dreamed of. God wants us to take our life to the next level in 2008. And that's why I'm calling this series Life on the Next Level. My son Nathaniel got a a PlayStation 2 for Christmas this year, and he's been enjoying playing some of the games uh, uh, that he got on the PlayStation. But as I've watched him play these games, and by the way, he hadn't let me get on it yet, but, uh, but as I've watched him play these games, I have been absolutely amazed at the quality of the, the graphics and the sound and the animation and the, the responsiveness of the controls. It's, it's, Absolutely state of the art. Uh, you can even connect these games to the Internet if you want to and play these games with literally millions of people around the world. So you see, the PlayStation takes gaming technology to the next level. Now, when I was a kid, actually probably when I was in high school, uh, video gaming was just beginning. Uh, as a matter of fact, they had a video game system called Atari. How many of you remember Atari? You're showing your age, folks. Well, if you know about Atari and you know about PlayStation or Xbox or something like that, you know that there's just a little bit of difference between them, isn't there? For example, let me see if you recognize this sound. Beep, boop, beep, boop. You know what that is? Pong. You know what that is. That was the state-of-the-art video game when I was a kid. It's called Pong. Consisted of two little slashes on the computer screen and a dot. And the dot was bouncing back and forth with the slashes trying to hit the dot, kind of like a primitive form of ping pong. Real exciting, huh? But that's what we had, and so we played it. But if you compare Nathaniel's PlayStation with Pong, well, there is no comparison. The PlayStation takes gaming to the next level. However, there is one advantage that Atari has over PlayStation. Can anybody think of that advantage? Price. Exactly. Price. You know what? You can get the Atari gaming station or gaming system today a whole lot cheaper than you can get a PlayStation. As a matter of fact, you can probably go to a flea market and get one for about five bucks. But if you want to buy a PlayStation, then you can count on shelling out some pretty significant bucks. So the choice that we have is whether to settle for the cheapo Atari games in order to save a little money or to make the significant investment to buy and enjoy the PlayStation. For you see, it costs more to get the higher quality. Well, folks, that is not only the secret to getting the PlayStation gaming system, but it's also the secret to living the incredible, abundant life that God wants you to live in 2008. Because, you see, it costs more To get the very best. And remember what Jesus said to us. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Higher quality life comes at a higher cost. Jesus said that he has a higher quality life for you. But he doesn't say that it's going to be an easy life. 
In fact, he says that it will come at a higher cost. In Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. But the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. And there are few who find it. So you see, we can choose an old Atari kind of life. And we can choose the path of least resistance because that's what most people do. And you know what? It's a lot easier to do that. But this verse tells us that if we choose that kind of life separated from God, then we don't have the abundant life that Jesus wants us to have. In fact, this verse tells us that choosing that easy kind of life apart from God will bring us nothing but regret in our lives. The choice is ours. We can choose that. Or we can choose to take the road less traveled. And we can live life on the next level. It's a road that not very many people take. And Jesus tells us that there are times on this road that things will get pretty hard. But the rewards are worth it. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but I want to experience life in a better way in 2008. And I want you to experience life on the next level as well. So during this series of sermons that I'm beginning today, we're going to look at taking our lives to the next level in four specific areas of our lives. We're going to talk about faith next week and how to live our life based on the wisdom of, of, of God's word of, and and, uh, and live our lives following in God's steps. And then we're going to talk about our finances the week after that and how we can live generous lives. And then we're going to talk about our relationships and then, our, then about our freedom in Christ. But in order for us to fulfill any of these things or to have that fulfilled life that Jesus wants us to have, we need to get all of these things in order in our lives. But in order for that to happen... We have a decision to make. And that decision is, are we willing to pay the higher price for a higher quality of life? So here at the beginning of 2008, I want to encourage all of us to say three things today so that we can begin to live our life on the next level. The first thing I want us to say, as, uh, as Mary mentioned a little while ago, is that we need to say yes to integrity and no to insincerity. Now, what do I mean by integrity? Integrity means character. It means that when my beliefs and my behaviors are matched up, it's when what I say and what I do matches what I believe. For example, if I, if I believe that honesty is a virtue, then I will strive to be honest in my relationships with other people. And that's a life of integrity. My actions line up with my beliefs. But insincerity, on the other hand, is pretending to be something that we are not. Now, we've all been insincere about, insincere about something at some time or another in our lives, haven't we? We've all probably are, are guilty of that. And we've all met people that we believe are probably insincere. 
And sincerity is when we believe one thing, but when we live out our lives in another way. And integrity is a huge issue in our society today. In fact, uh, several years ago, Stephen Carter, a law professor at Yale, wrote a book titled Integrity. And in it, he points out how relativism and realism has pushed the idea of integrity off to the side. And if you look for it, we can see the lack of integrity in our society all over the place. We see it in, in some of the business leaders of our country. When you think about Enron and WorldCom, we think about business leaders who chose to put making money over their integrity, and as a result, they lied. And a lot of people got hurt because of it. We see it in our politicians where sometimes their desire to be elected overrules their desire to be people of integrity. And so they accept illegal campaign contributions or, or say just about anything to get the vote. You even see it in our athletes where their desire to succeed overcomes their desire to play with integrity. And so they take illegal steroids in order to have the competitive edge on the field. And unfortunately, sometimes you even see insincerity and a lack of integrity in the lives of Christians who say that they are Christians, but they treat other people like dirt. Sir Francis Bacon once said, it's not what we eat, it's what we digest that makes us strong. It's not what we gain, but what we save that makes us rich. And it's not what we read, but what we remember that makes us learned. And it's not what we say, but what we practice that gives us integrity. So you see, integrity isn't just saying the right thing, but it's doing the right thing even when nobody else is looking. Now, some folks may not be living a life of integrity because one or more of those areas of life that I mentioned a little while ago is out of alignment. We say, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I go to church. or I'm living the Christian life. But if we look at these other areas of our lives, say, say if we look at our finances, do our finances reflect that we're a person of faith? Has our faith had an impact on our finances or are we living out of line? If you look at our relationships, your friendships, how we treat other people, does that reflect that we are a person of faith or is it out of alignment? Or how about our freedom? You know, we say that we're Christians and as Christians, we ought to live in the freedom that God offers to us. But how many folks are so caught up in worry and anxiety and stress that we don't experience the freedom that Jesus offers. And why is that? Because our life is out of alignment. We're saying one thing, but we live out our lives in another way. And that's not how God wants us to live. God wants us to live our lives in alignment. Look at what Proverbs 10.9 says. It says, people with integrity have firm footing. But those who follow crooked paths, those who believe one thing but live out their lives in another way, they will slip and fall. So you see, we really will be unable to have the abundant life 
that Jesus offers if we lack integrity. Because if you're a Christian and your life lacks integrity, then you're always going to be feeling like something's wrong. So let's commit this morning to say no to insincerity. And let's say yes to integrity. Second thing we need to do today is to say yes to involvement and no to isolation. And, and this is an important truth. I know it's something that, that people gloss over sometimes, but I think it's really important. And here it is. We're better off when we are connected with other Christians in a meaningful way. Folks, it, it's not good to be isolated. It's not good. In December of 1944, as World War II was coming to a close, the armies of the United States and Great Britain and the Soviet Union were closing in on Germany, and the Germans were getting pretty desperate. And so Adolf Hitler came up with a battle plan to attack the center of the American front in a battle that became known as the Battle of the Bulge. His idea was to attack the very center of the American front where it was the thinnest and go right through the middle of it and split the American army into two separate armies. And his thinking was that if any one, if, if, uh, if the one army was split into two armies, then both sections would be weaker and more susceptible to being defeated. And if he was successful, he would have done that. He would have significantly weakened the United States Army. And so he started his plan, and he was almost successful. But at the last moment, the Americans made a last stand at a town called Bastogne. The Germans came up to this town, and, and they had huge numbers. They outnumbered the Americans many times. And so they offered an ultimatum to the American general to surrender. And the American general McAuliffe sent back a one-word response to the German commander, and his response was, nuts. (laughs) That was his response to the ultimatum to surrender. Nuts. In other words, no way am I going to surrender. For you see, the German, or the general knew that he couldn't surrender. Because he knew that if he surrendered and the Germans were successful in splitting the armies in two, that both sides, both sides of the American army would be in great danger. And so he had to keep the front together. And he did. And even though more American soldiers lost their lives in the Battle of the Bulge than in any other battle in Europe, by keeping the Germans from breaking through that line, they secured an important victory that led to the ultimate end of the war just a few months later. They kept their army together. They didn't let it become isolated. And in the same way, we need to resist any temptation to allow ourselves to be isolated from other Christians. Because, folks, when we become isolated, we ourselves will be weaker. Now, maybe we think we don't really need the church, or maybe we think I don't really need to be in Bible study or in fellowship with other Christians. Maybe we think about the faults and the imperfections of some other Christians, or we disagree with something that's going on in the church, and we think I don't need the church. But guess what, my friends? 
It is when we are alone that we are most susceptible to temptation and to depression and to loneliness and to addiction. But the Bible says that we gain strength when we are connected with other Christians. In Ecclesiastes 4, it says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And three are even more, even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So you see, that's why it's so important for us to be involved in church. Many people think that it's okay for them to be a follower of Jesus and and just not be in church. And and they'll say things oh, like, you know, I, I love Jesus, but I just can't stand Christians. <laughs> or I love Jesus, and but I just can't stand the church. And, and folks, believe you me, I, I, I know that Christians can be frustrating sometimes. And I know that the church can be frustrating sometimes, but... But guess what, folks? There's not a single person in this church or in any other church meeting this morning who is perfect. And there is not another church. There is no church anywhere in this world that is perfect. But in spite of all of our faults, the Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. And so, like in any other relationship, the bride of Christ is to be loved in spite of our imperfections. Folks, we are all an integral part of what God is trying to do. And God wants us to be a part of God's family, the church. Look what Paul writes in Romans 12. He says, just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. You see that each member belongs to all the others. My friends, God wants us to be involved in 2008. God doesn't want us to be isolated. And I think a great way to get involved is to to be a part of one of our Bible study groups that meet on Sunday morning or or Wednesday night. It's a great way to meet new people and develop new relationships and also to grow in your faith. So let's make a commitment today as we begin this new year to say yes to involvement and no to isolation. And finally, one more thing. If we want to live life on the next level, we need to say yes to impact and no to irrelevance. I talked about the Atari gaming system a little while ago and how the PlayStation is is so far advanced beyond what the Atari used to be. And do you know why you can buy an Atari for so cheap at the flea market? It's because they are... Irrelevant. The very fact that they're at the flea market probably tells you something about their irrelevance. Because you see, no kid wants to play an Atari these days. They all want to play the Xbox or the PlayStation or the, or the Wii. They don't want to play Pong. And if we're really honest with ourselves, some of us may have to confess that some of our lives have been lived in such a way that 
There's not a whole lot of relevance there. And I know that may sound harsh, but it's true because, folks, if your life doesn't make somebody else's life better, then you're wasting your life. There's an equation in physics that goes something like this. M times V equal F. Any physics out there? Anybody know what that means? Mass times velocity equals force. And basically what that means is that if you have something, the the more size it has and the faster it goes, the bigger the impact it'll have. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. We're in the middle of uh, bowl season or wrapping up bowl season right now. And many of us have been watching some good football games on TV this past week. And we've seen some really good defensive plays by some of the linebackers on these teams. But... But let me tell you the difference between a a mediocre linebacker and a good one, a really good one. If you're a linebacker, it really helps to be big. But it isn't enough to be big if you're also slow, because if you're slow, you can't get to the person with the ball to make the tackle. So if you're a linebacker, it really helps to be fast. But it isn't enough to be fast if you're small. Because if you're small, you might be able to get to the person with the ball, but it's not going to make any difference because he's going to run right over you. But if you are big, you have mass. And if you are fast, you have velocity, which means that you bring a lot of force. So in other words, you have a tremendous impact. And that is the law of the physical world. Now, I have a similar equation that relates to the spiritual world. And that equation is S times P equals I. Now you're thinking, what is that? You, you never heard of this, I promise you. <laughs> S times P equals I. My service times the number of people that I serve equals the total impact of my life. You see, God's economy... In God's economy, our impact is not determined by how much money we make or how powerful we are or how influential we are, but by how much we use our lives to serve other people. And what I'm thinking about here is is the kind of service where you show people around you God's love in a practical way. And the more people that you serve in this world, the bigger the impact you will have. So let me ask you this. How big of an impact does your life make? Think back to 2007. How many people did you serve in 2007? How many people did you serve last month or last week? Or, or, or how many of you served so far today? Or maybe even a better question would be, how many people do you plan to serve in 2008? How many people you plan to serve this month or this week or today? Paul writes about us being called to have an impact with our lives. In Galatians 5, he says, For you have been called to live in freedom, not freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. That's irrelevance. But the freedom to serve one another. In love. 
That, my friends, is impact. And that's what the Bible says a life of impact does. God's desire is for your life to have an impact. And you can only do that when you serve other people up close and personal. So use your life to serve other people in a meaningful way. Because when you choose to live your life serving others, your life is a life that impacts the whole world. Well, 2008 has officially begun. I think the good news about a new year is that it also means that we get a new start. And I believe that God wants all of us to live our lives on the next level. But ultimately, the decision lies with you because this is your life and and you've got to decide who it is that you're going to be in 2008. Are you going to be the person who decides I'm... I'm going to pay the price and I'm going to live a life of integrity and a life of involvement and a life of impact. Or are you going to settle, like most people do, for a life of insincerity and a life of isolation and irrelevance? My challenge to you this morning is this. Choose God's way in this coming year. Because it's only when we live in God's way that we can truly experience the abundant life that Jesus promises us in John 10.10. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. We're going to sing a... Hymn of response, Take My Life and Leave Me, Lord. It's number 287 in your hymnal. And this is my prayer for all of us in 2008, that we would allow God to take our lives and lead us. Because it's only when we do this that we can truly find the abundant life and experience the abundant life that that Jesus promises to us. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And he's not talking about riches and finances. He's talking about a fulfilled life. That's what this is about. That's, what, that's the kind of abundance that he's talking about. Maybe you need this in your life today. Maybe you need to make this commitment to follow Christ this year and to, uh, to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to come and unite with our church and make that commitment to Christ. Or maybe this is just a time at the beginning of the year to get things right and and you just want to come and, and just have some prayer. That's fine too. If God's dealing in your heart in any way today, we invite you to come as we sing together. Take my life. Lead me on.
As we leave from this place today, may we leave with glad hearts and generous minds. May we leave with Christ's teachings within our own spirits so that we may minister to those without love and without hope. May we go forth today, O God, in the abundance of life that Christ has to offer to us. May we go to live our lives on the next level of God's grace. And it is our prayer, O God, that you would take our lives and lead us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.